Dr. Allen, as he preaches your word, God, let it penetrate our hearts, that we understand the gospel and that we live it out. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. All right. Mark chapter 1 is where we are today. We started preaching through Mark's gospel several weeks ago. And uh, we find ourselves in verses 21 through 28 today. So if you would find your place and your copy of God's Word in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 21 is where we'll begin reading. And boy, I'm going to have to be very disciplined today because I came last Sunday ready to preach this message. So it's been building in my heart and in my life for about two weeks, so... um, Somebody may ought to set an alarm, you know what I'm saying? Here we go, Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. The Bible says, They went into Capernaum, and immediately, there's Mark's favorite word again, on the Sabbath, he, that is Jesus, entered the synagogue, and he began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, The unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of preaching. And the question that I put before you is, biblical preaching really important? And boy, this text gives us a perfect test case and a perfect laboratory to be able to answer that question. But before we delve into the text and answer that from a textual perspective, let me just say to you, that biblical preaching is probably more rare than you would think. As a matter of fact, there are few biblical preachers today who are standing before churches and opening God's Word. Do you understand that just because someone has a copy of God's Word and they stand in front of God's people and they give a religious talk does not mean that they are preaching. Now I want you to understand this. I do not consider myself to be a good preacher partly because I know a few good preachers. And when I get in the presence of a good preacher, I tell Heather all the time, that's it, I'm quitting because they just shame me because they can so expose the truth contained within God's Word. Although I do not consider myself to be a good preacher, I've been involved in the academics and the mechanics of preaching long enough And I've heard enough preaching in my day until I can tell you when I've heard good preaching and when I've just heard somebody get up and give a religious talk. There is a difference. You see, one of the things that that really perplexes me today and kind of 
bothers me is the fact that the church does not seem to be producing preachers like she once was. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of pastors out there in pulpits today who are quasi-counselors. There's a lot of pastors who are good teachers. There's a lot of pastors who are pastoral ministers. But hear me, there are few men today who are anointed to bring the truth of God's Word as the Bible defines preaching. If you don't believe that, man, just go and visit around a little bit. You see, as, as a missionary uh, for the past, I don't know, before I assume uh, the pulpit at Grace in 2018, Heather and I had been missionaries for 11 years. And a part of our missionary responsibility was when we were home, we were local church mobilizers. That meant we were probably in, the, in, in about 25 to 30 different churches a year. Most of the time, I was in those churches just listening. And it's absolutely astounding to me how absent biblical preaching is today in most Southern Baptist churches. Heather and I this morning on the way to uh, Grace tried to think in our minds how many men that we know whom we would consider to be a Holy Spirit anointed preacher. And I'm not going to tell you how many we came up with because it is really few. Preaching is a, and preachers are a rare breed. And I think part of the reason why we're seeing today so many churches that have a pastoral minister or a teacher or a counselor in the pulpit is simply because we are living in a time in the United States of America when what has come to fruition is exactly what the prophet Amos talked about in his book when he said there's going to come a time when there's a famine of the word. Boy, I believe that we are literally in a famine of the word of God being preached. Is biblical preaching really important? You see, this text right here gives us opportunity to look at a congregation, a synagogue, and we can see them before a preacher assumed the pulpit and then after a preacher assumed the pulpit. Now stop and think with me. Already in the book of Mark, we have encountered the two best preachers who have ever set foot upon this planet. Do you know who they are? Number one is Jesus Christ. Number two is JTB, John the Baptist. So Mark, if we will read him, he's telling us something about biblical preaching. And you see, biblical preaching, it has dynamics that go on that if those dynamics do not come together, then make no mistake about it, you may have heard the word taught, you may have heard commentary material given on a passage, but you haven't heard biblical preaching if all of these elements don't come together. So now let's look at this synagogue down in Capernaum and let's see everything that's implied in this text about this synagogue before a preacher, namely Jesus Christ, walked in it one day, picked up a scroll of the Word of God, and began to preach God's Word. What can we say about a church where the Word is not preached? Oh, hey, let me just speak from a pastoral uh, perspective for a little while. I can tell you, in a place where the Word is not preached, things are going to happen. The problem is, 
those things that happen are not good things. You see, for the child of God, the Word of God is central in our walk with Him. And if you've ever been accustomed to hearing God's Word, I think one of the saddest things that can happen to a believer is for them to be under the influence of the preaching of God's Word and then suddenly have that taken out for some reason. And I've watched several churches do this. I've watched several churches who have had preachers of God's Word in the pulpit and some little issue blow up and they think they need to switch preachers and they get rid of him and that church is on a high. You don't have to look very far in our neck of the woods to find living examples of what I'm talking about. Churches that had preachers that were making a difference in their community and the deacons get the idea that they need to switch preachers and they get somebody in who was not a biblical preacher and that church takes a downward trajectory to the fact that she may never ever recover. And I've watched places like that where it's happened and I've seen marriages fall apart. I've seen people who I thought were going to be faithful to the cows come home fall into moral failure. If we don't have the preaching of the Word as God's people, there is created within our life a vacuum and that vacuum is going to be filled with something less than God's Word. That's all there is to it. So is biblical preaching really important? Let's look at this synagogue prior to a preacher coming into the pulpit. And this is what we can say about it. A church where the Word is not preached is less than impressive. I mean, isn't it? You take the Word of God out of a church and all it is is a book club, as Thomas said last Sunday. You take the Word of God out of a church and there is nothing within that fellowship that is attractive or is going to be impressive or make an impression upon people. Now let me walk through some of the implications of this particular synagogue before Jesus arrived. What can we say about it? Well, the first thing we can say is that in a church where the Word is not preached, the people are miserable. Just absolutely miserable. And why is that? Because notice who was handling the Word in that place. The Bible says in verse number 22 that they were amazed at His, that is Jesus' teaching, for He was teaching them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now here's what the scribes would do. The scribes would take God's Word and they would tell you everything that anybody had ever said about God's Word. They would say this, they would say, Now about this particular passage, Dr. Gamaliel has this to say. And then they would say about this particular word, there's a nuance which Rabbi Hillel brings out. So all they were doing was talking about the Word. Can I be honest with you today? I hear a lot of people who are talking about the Word, but there are very few people who are unleashing the Word and letting the Word speak for herself because that's what she can do. And that, that church, man, th th those people just showed up every Sunday, or in that, this case, the synagogue, every Saturday out of nothing more than religious duty and responsibility. And they came and they were miserable. Why were they miserable? If you had to listen to Dr. Snorbor preach for an hour, wouldn't you be miserable as well? If you had to listen to Reverend Dry as Dust for about an hour and a half every week, you would want to drive bamboo shoots underneath your fingernail. Have you ever been to a church like that where you just had to endure it? I mean, my gosh, it's like torture. 
And by the way, I've been a part of churches like that in my missionary career where I realized that I was embarrassed to invite anybody to come. Have you ever been there? If not, you don't know how fortunate you are. If you have been there, condolences upon you. But one of the good things about Grace Church, I am not ashamed. I don't have to give any qualifications. I don't have to make any excuses. I can just tell folk to come to Grace because they're going to love on you. Because the people not at Grace are not miserable. I mean, have you ever been to a church and you walked in and you think, my gosh, was everybody in here baptized in pickle juice yesterday? I mean, there's no joy. There's no, there, 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 there's no anticipation. There's no expectation. There's no anything. It's just like, well, we're here again. We've got to do this again. Here's my finger. Go ahead and hit it with a ball-peen hammer and make that fingernail blue. I mean, my gosh, the Word of God is quick, it's active. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This book ought to energize us. And son, listen, if you can go to church and you can sleep and snore, get you a different preacher, huh? I tell you, I tell my students, you got to be more gifted and talented to take the most exciting, energizing book that's ever been written on this planet and use it as an instrument to put people to sleep. How gifted do you have to be to do that? Just turn it loose, son. It's going to get in somebody's pants. You know what I'm saying? It will. That's just what it does. Now, notice here, let me, let me hurry on through this because where I want to get is in the last part of this. This is just introductory material, all right? Here we go. In a church where the Word is not preached, the people are miserable. People are miserable. Good Lord. What an advertisement that is for the kingdom, isn't it? I mean, when I read the Scripture, the Bible tells us that the birthright of a child of God is an eternal wellspring of joy. Joy! Joy! In most churches today, you would think it's a funeral service. Vance Havner once said that most churches start at 11 o'clock sharp and they end at 12 o'clock dull. There was no preaching of the Word of God. The dynamics that transpire when the Word is preached just counteract the deadward, downward pull of boring, humdrum, soul-sucking lack of energy. Check this out. Not only are the people miserable, but in a church where the Word is not preached, demons are comfortable. Did you see in verse 23 and 24? The Bible says there was a man there who had an unclean spirit. Now guess what? This man was a probably a synagogue member. He was probably a church member. He was probably more faithful than most of the others. He was a fixture. He more than likely was there every time the doors were open. And guess what? He never gave anybody any trouble until the Word of God was preached. You see what I'm saying? If the demonic can be comfortable in a church, here's one thing I can say to you. The Word of God is absent from that church. Because demons cannot keep their mouth shut when God's Word is preached as authoritative as it actually is. So here was this old guy sitting there. The Bible says, literally, this is what the Bible says about him. The Bible says he was in. 
We translate it with a demon, but there are several characteristics of demon-possessed folk, and all through Mark, he's going to keep adding to this picture. Let me give you a little prospect, a little taste of what it means for somebody to be demon-possessed, and what are some of the characteristics. Oh, man. I tell you, if Dane Caldwell were to get up here today and tell you some of the things that we've encountered in the jungles of Brazil as it relates to witchcraft and sorcery and the demonic and having the demonic speak, you would think we were absolutely off our rocker. We have dismissed it as primitive, as, as in days when mental illnesses were just explained away by demon. But I'm telling you, demons are real. And if they're not real, then Jesus Christ was a liar because he dealt with them. Now notice some of the characteristics here of this man who was demon-possessed. Number one, if somebody has an infatuation with the demonic, here's what they'll be. They'll be immersed in filth. Notice what the Bible says about this guy. The Bible says, just then there was a man in their synagogue. Here it is, and you may want to write this in your Bible. In an unclean spirit. And what, what Mark is telling us is that the man and the demon that was controlling him were so intertwined until you couldn't tell where the man ended and the demon started. And he was immersed in the filth of the demonic. Notice it says an unclean spirit. Now, that doesn't just mean he was wallowing in physical dirt, but that means that that demon had him encaptured with spiritual and moral filth. Boy, I'm telling you, when we start looking at the characteristics of demons in the New Testament, it kind of gets close to home, does it not? Number one, what do they do? They keep people immersed in filth. But number two, they keep people isolated from fellowship. Check this out. Look what he said. He cried out, When the word of God was preached, this demon was roused. He was roused. Why? Because it's, it's, a, it's a confrontation spiritually to him. He had been in control. He had been comfortable all these years. And now all of a sudden with God's word showing up, being preached by the Son of God, he's roused up and notice what he says. What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Do you see that? Some translations translate it like this. Some versions say, let us alone. Now what's going on here? I can tell you what's going on. Demons want to have nothing to do with the Son of God. Demons want to have nothing to do with the preaching of the authoritative Word of God. It's how we protect ourselves. It's how we get them off of us. It's how we speak God's Word and they must leave. They want nothing to do with it. Now get this. Here's what a lot of folks say today. Well, I just don't want to go to church. I'd rather worship from the front deck of my bass boat. Let me tell you what that is. That's demonic. Because if there's something innate within you that doesn't want to allow you to affiliate with the people of God where the Word of God is preached, I can tell you that's not a characteristic of Christ. That's a characteristic of an unclean spirit. And there's a lot of people that get up on Sunday morning when the church of God is meeting and the word of God is being preached and they think they just make a casual decision that I'm not going to go today, I don't want to go today. No, you're not, sir. You have been influenced by the powers of darkness because that is a characteristic of the demonic. 
Hey, they want to isolate you. They don't want you plugged into a fellowship. They don't want you listening to the Word of God. So they'll do anything they can to give you a reason why you can justify why you should be cut apart from the rest of the flock of God. Because they know if they can isolate you, they've got you. Hey, it's a very serious thing when believers want to isolate themselves from other believers and think they're justified in doing it. No, no, no. That's not what the Spirit of God does in us. Notice what else the Bible says about a characteristic of the demonic. People are immersed in filth. They keep people isolated from fellowship. And they keep people thinking Christ will end their fun. Look at here. Notice what he says. He says, have you come to destroy us? It's amazing how many people don't want to be in the presence of Christ, don't want to submit to Him, don't want to hear His Word preached, and don't want any of their friends doing it because their concept of fun is being immersed in filth. And they know that the two are mutually exclusive. But can I just say to you, if you think filthiness is fun, have you ever tried holiness? So it's a whole lot better. It's hilarious, isn't it, Jamie Baker? It really is as compared to the other side. But here's what folk think who are under demonic influence. They think, oh no, the church is just a killjoy. The Word of God is going to so restrict my life until I'm not being able to do some of the things that I want to do. Now let me tell you what it'll do. It'll give you a whole new set of desires. And you'll find fulfillment in things that before you tried to avoid. You see, there's a miraculous transition that takes place when a person is born again. All of a sudden, you love what you used to hate, and you hate what you used to love. Well, notice this. i got to get to where I really wanted to go because who wants to hear about a church that's less than impressive, right? Who wants to be a part of a church that's less than impressive? So let's look at the second part of this. Here's the good stuff. A church where the Word is preached is high impact. It's high impact. Now let me show you where this comes from. I'm not just making this up. Notice this word is used. It comes through in our English versions two times. It comes across one time in verse 22. They were amazed. And then in verse 27, they were all amazed. But there's two different Greek words behind each one of those uh, uh, translations in our English version. Let's concentrate a minute on the one in verse number 27 where Mark tells us they were all amazed. The Greek word behind that that's translated amazed, here's what it means. It means to be struck. And here's how we use it in our day and age. As a matter of fact, I heard Cliff Myers use it just the other day. He said, here's what strikes me in that passage. Woo! That's this word. To be struck, it means to be hit. It means that the Word does this. Colin's nervous because he saw me coming. It means that the Word of God made a connection. And the Greek word, I had to use all type of demo, uh, demonic. <laughs> Mnemonic devices when I was learning Greek. And this word, uh, this word kind of sounds like, the root word sounds like thump. So here's how I learned this word. It means that the Word of God thumps you on your head. You ever been thumped on the head by the Word of God? Have you ever been struck all of a sudden? 
God's word just struck me. We, we say this sometimes. We say, it hit me, meaning it just dawned on me. And you see, that's what takes place when God's word is preached. There's interaction that takes place between the preacher, the Holy Spirit, and the listener. And hear me, it's a dynamic interaction which will allow you to do anything but sleep through it. So here the Bible says that these people were struck. They were struck. They'd been coming to the church, to the synagogue every Saturday, and they said, what is that that we just heard? And you see, that's what happens when God's Word is preached. So that church where God's Word is preached, it is a high-impact type of church. Let me tell you how that takes place. Because here's what must take place in preaching. I wish I had my board up here. I'd like to draw it. God's Word has two words in it that's translated in the English as Word. Word of God. Word of God. Two Greek words behind that. One of them is logos. And logos is kind of that, kind of that vertical plane that gives us propositional eternal truth that is unchanging. But there is another word that is translated rhema. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every rhema that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if logos is the vertical axis, let's let rhema be the horizontal axis. And you see, the goal of preaching is to take logos and cause it to intersect on the horizontal plane of your life. That's when it connects. Logos, rhema. Do you see where those crosshairs come together? If preaching doesn't connect with where you are living today, then it was not preaching in a biblical sense. And I know so many guys, you can listen to them, they'll give you logos all day long, propositional truth. Down here, they'll do exegesis all day long, but it's nothing but historical information, and that will bore the best of us. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus made the connection he struck people with God's Word. He connected. He made the Logos intersect with the contemporary line of their own day. And all of a sudden, things began to happen. And they were struck. They were smitten. They were thumped on the head with the connection that God's Word had made. Hey, that's something that takes place in the course of preaching. Here's what takes place. All of a sudden... You are so enthralled into what the Word of God is saying and how it's connecting with your life. And do you feel like it was written yesterday for you? Even though it was penned physically more than 4,000 years ago. That's the eternal nature of it. That's what takes place when God's Word is preached. And all of a sudden, you're finding yourself alone in the midst of Him. Have you ever had, had that take place and all of a sudden you're sitting in a crowd and you feel like there's nobody there but you and God? That's when God's Word just intersected with the timeline of your life. And boy, it's fresh, it's contemporary. Well, what takes place when all of that comes together? Here it goes. Let me give you, in this particular passage, I don't know, what is there, seven or eight of these elements? These are the dynamic elements that must take place in biblical preaching and if they do not, Whatever you heard was something less or inferior than biblical preaching. All of these elements right here. 
Now, I realize there's a danger in me listing these elements. Because after you know what biblical preaching is, you're liable to conclude, we need to get rid of Dr. Allen and get us a preacher. <laughs> so I realize this is dangerous. But nonetheless, here they go. What takes place when the Word of God strikes people? That's what the preacher is to do. Well, number one, life is explained. Life is explained. Can I say to you, most preachers think that preaching is explaining truth. No, it's not. The truth is in the book in order to help us understand life. Have you ever stopped and think about how perplexed and complicated human life is? Have you ever stopped and think about all the things that go into the making of an individual? Psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? You stop and think about all the things that go into the making of life for somebody. And it's a wonder we don't have a mass shooting everywhere someday. Huh? I mean, it just is. There's a lot of things that go on. And can I say that the purpose of God's Word is to help give commentary upon your life. Have you ever been sitting in a church service and there was a guy there and he was preaching and all of a sudden your world seemed to make sense? All of a sudden it dawned on you, this is why this is not working? Has it ever dawned on you that this is how it ought to look and it's not looking like that in my life? Or this is why this happened yesterday? Or this is why this is setting itself up in this manner today? Because the truth of God's Word just explained my life. Wow. That's what preaching does. And that's what Jesus did. You say, I wish we had some of the content of this message, but let me tell you how I know, I know He did this. Because read the Gospels. We'll encounter it here. We'll find it in the Gospel of Luke and in Matthew, where when Jesus walked into the synagogue, they would give Him a copy of the scroll. And he would take the scroll and he would read it and he would preach with authority, not as one of the scribes. You see, here's what the scribes were doing. The, the scribes were talking about the Word. Jesus let the Word talk for itself. And that's the difference in preaching as opposed to just giving commentary upon what God's Word said. So a church that's high impact, hey, life is going to be explained. There are going to be things that come into focus. The puzzles are going to shift around on your table, the puzzle pieces, and all of a sudden it's going to fit together. Because God, as the creator and author of life, has given us an instruction manual right here in his book. Notice, not only is life explained, but here's another thing that takes place. Here's a part of the dynamic process of preaching. Life is explained, but number two, sin is exposed. Under the influence of preaching, sin is exposed. Now hear me. I'm not saying that preaching is, and here's a lot of folks' concept of preaching. A lot of folks' concept of preaching is, is that if the guy doesn't come and take God's Word and use it as a hammer to beat me up, then I haven't been preached to. And friend, that's not necessarily preaching. Preaching is just letting God's Word speak and there's a dynamic that takes place when God's Word is preached, the Spirit of God takes it and applies it to our life and all of a sudden we sit there and we realize why it hasn't been working. Because I have been in error. 
I have been in sin. That's why we read that passage this morning. And a lot of folk think that this spiritual dynamic that takes place in preaching is sometimes nothing more than the preacher meddling and knowing my personal life. I can't tell you how many times as a preacher I have had some old demon, demonically influenced guy come to church and he just happened to be there on a day when the text is addressing the filth in which he is living. And him have the audacity to think that I took a week of my life out to study his life in order to know how to expose his sin on Sunday. That's something that the Spirit of God does. And I want to tell you, I have never sat under the influence of a preacher in which I didn't come out of there saying, Oh, me. There's some things that I need to change in my life. Because that's just what God's Word does when it's proclaimed. The dynamics of preaching. Number one, life is explained. Number two, sin is exposed. Number three, Christ is exalted. You see what they did? And, and boy, here was the Son of God preaching the Word of God. And the people were amazed at Him. You see, Christ-centered preaching always lifts up the Son of God. And if God's Son is lifted up, what will He do? He says, I will draw all people to Myself. Christ is always exalted. It's one of the dynamics you know what you'll do when you sit under a biblical preacher? You'll leave here today loving Jesus a little bit more than you did when you came. That's just part of the dynamic. That's what takes place in biblical preaching. So I want to ask you, under the preaching which you set, do these things take place? And if not, we've got issues. <laughs> Notice what else. Life is explained. Sin is exposed. Christ is exalted. But get this, demons exit. You see what, 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 what the Bible says here? This demon challenged Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him saying, and here's the word, literally it's be muzzled. I had to take Louie to the vet a couple weeks ago and Louie's my 95 pound bird dog. He's a beast. And Louie's like me. He doesn't like doctors at all. And he lets them know it. And I had to put a muzzle on him so he wouldn't eat them up. That's what Jesus said here to this guy. He said, be muzzled. Hey, I don't know a whole lot about your personal demons, but I know that Jesus can muzzle them and make them where they don't bite you anymore. Hey, Jesus can even take the teeth out of their lips, out of their gums, to where they can't bite you anymore. Hey, Jesus will banish them from your life to where they don't plague you anymore. Notice what happened here. Demons exit. They cannot live contently under the authoritative preaching of God's Word. They cannot. They cannot. They cannot. Now here's the deal, guys. Listen to me. I went out this morning and I told Miss Sandra on our Connect team, I said, uh, ain't enough people here today. Y'all go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. I'd love to have this house full. But can I say to you, I don't want demon-possessed people hanging around. And they won't if God's Word is preached. The preaching of God's Word to demons is like turning on the light 
in a dark warehouse that's been filled with cockroaches. You flip the light switch on, and son, they go to scurrying. And that's exactly what takes place with the demonic when God's word is preached. Notice, I've got to hurry because there's some things here I really want to get to at the end of this. In biblical preaching, the dynamic part of the transaction is that life is explained. All of a sudden, things hit you, make sense. Sin is exposed. Christ is exalted. Demons exit and freedom is experienced. Hey, if we are no longer under the control of the demonic, and if we are free from sin, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be what? Free indeed. Freedom is experienced. Have you ever come to church? Because I want to tell you I have. I've come to church before feeling like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Feeling like I didn't have enough energy to put one foot in front of the other. Carrying a heavy burden. And somehow or another, in the midst and the mix of the dynamic of the preaching of God's Word, I feel like the burden has been lifted. I feel like I am free to breathe again. I feel like I've been set free to do what God's called me to do. And you see, that's part of what takes place when God's people sit under the preaching of God's Word. You want to know why you ought to be a part of a fellowship and not isolated? Well, here they are. Life is explained. Sin is exposed. Christ is exalted. Demons exit. Freedom is experienced. God, let me live at that address for a little while. Notice what else. Not only is freedom experienced, but people are excited. People are excited. And again, I'm so thankful for Grace Church. Because, you know, part of, part of what first-time guests tell me when they come is they said, man, we just sensed excitement there. We sensed expectation there. And can I say to you, that's a rare quality today. I wish we had time to go on a field trip. You know what I'm saying? Just before Grace Church found us in 2018, it had become so bad for my wife and I until we sat down one day and had a heart-to-heart -heart with one another and with God. And we said, God, if church is about what we've been experiencing and having to endure while we're in the United States of America, we're going back to the jungle of Brazil and we ain't coming home again. We were on the verge of making that radical decision to pull up and get out of Dodge when Grace Church came into my life. Man, church ought to be exciting. It ought not be something we have to work up emotionally. There ought to just be a sense of expectancy. I'm going to hear from God today. God's going to do something that I hadn't even fathomed. Life is going to be explained. A problem in my life is going to be exposed. Christ is going to be high and lifted up in my life. The demons are going to have to hit the road, Jack. I mean, all of this stuff takes place when Jesus walked into that place and began to preach the Word of God. People were excited. Notice what they said. They were all amazed. They were struck. And then in verse number 22, they were amazed. That word there means they were astonished. The Cliff Myers translation would be they were slack-jawed. What was that? 
we just heard. It was nothing but the old, old word. So people are excited, they're energized, but check this out, there's another thing that takes place. Here's one of the dynamics. I think you'll see yourself in this. One of the dynamics of preaching is this. Dialogue is exchanged. Dialogue is exchanged. Now notice what the Bible says here. I want you to see this. The Bible says, So they debated among themselves. There are two nuances here. We need to explore both of them. One of them means that they began to reason within themselves. And here's what takes place when God's Word is preached. God's Word is preached. And you're sitting here and all of a sudden, boop, it hits you all of a sudden. You know what takes place when, God word, when God's Word hits you? Here's what you do. I can tell when y'all do this. And look, you have my permission to do it. It's okay. Here's what takes place. You're sitting under the preaching of God's Word and all of a sudden God's Word, boop, connects with you. You immediately leave the room and you go within yourself and you begin to have this conversation with yourself. And you say to yourself, Self, did you just hear that? Self, I've never contemplated that before. Self, God's Word is pretty amazing. And all of a sudden you go from talking to yourself to talking to God. Oh God, thank you for breaking into my world today with Rhema because I do not live by bread alone but by every Rhema, every word that comes from your mouth. So here's what takes place in the dynamic of preaching. Oh, Pastor Richie's up here preaching. You're with me. I can tell when you're with me. But I can also tell when God's word hits you and you go in yourself. Woo. I have a preacher. Well, matter of fact, one of the preaching professors at school says that, that preaching, the dynamic, is a lot like that game. You know that game where the woodchucks pop up and you got to hit them with a hammer? You know that game? He said, that's the way folks do in preaching. He says, nobody's with you for a 30-minute or 45-minute sermon the whole time. They're not because of this dynamic exchange of dialogue that takes place. All of a sudden, God's Word hits you, boop, you go in yourself. And you're in there with just you and God. And you're working things out. Then all of a sudden, when you got that worked out, after you've done worshiping and repenting and responding to God's Word, you come back out. And I can tell when some of you come back out. You come back out, and then all of a sudden... Boop, you're thumped again. <laughs> Whoop, you go back in. You see, that's the dynamic that takes place. I bet he don't sit on the front row anymore, does he? <laughs> that's the dynamic that takes place. You see, a lot of folk think that coming, in, coming to church and hearing a boring sermon is all about listening. It's not. There's interaction that takes place within you, between you and yourself, and you and God. But now notice, not only does that nuance talk about how they reasoned within themselves, but they also debated with one another. Here's how you know that you've been sitting under biblical preaching. Because the conversation changes. And I want to tell you one of the things that I can tell about a local church when I go there and visit, or when I go and I'm the guest preacher and I'm just mingling with folk, what they talk about will let you know some of what they're hearing on Sunday morning. Some churches, man, all you hear is the organ report. You know what I mean. Pray for Aunt Sally's swollen goozle. <laughs> uh, pray for their prayer. There's never any, man, let me tell you what God has shown us. 
let me tell you what God is doing in our church. And can I say to you that one of the things that thrills my heart is when I hear folk at Grace talking about where the Word hit them, thumped them, connected with them, what God is doing. And that's what these people were doing. All of a sudden, they'd been going to church for every Saturday of their life and nothing like this had ever happened. And all of a sudden, there was a connection made. Now they're talking with one another about spiritual realities and what God's Word says and what it does. There's that dialogue that takes place. Not only is there dialogue exchanged, but the kingdom expands. Look at this. Notice what takes place. Immediately, the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Now, not only did the narrative change within the church, but get this, within the synagogue, the narrative changed within the community. All because they went to church on this particular Saturday and they heard God's word like they'd never heard it before. Now what'd they do? They went out that day and all that week they went through all the region of Galilee and Capernaum and they were talking about what God said in their synagogue this past Saturday. They were inviting folk to come and hear what was going on. And can I say that's one of the markers? That's one of the dynamics that takes place when God's Word begins to connect with people, when Lagos becomes Ramah and we find ourselves in the crosshair and God's Word intersects our life today, you can't keep it in here. You're going to talk about it. There's going to be a dialogue, not only within, your, with, within yourself, but with other people here at church. And there's going to be a narrative change when we go out there. We're going to be talking about church because we want other people to experience what it is that God's doing in our fellowship. And can I say to you, I can always tell when God's Word hits people. Very rarely do I do, well, hardly ever do I do this. But I asked this old guy today, old guy, he's actually a young man. I said, I might use you an example today. He said, go right ahead. Stephen Moore, where are you? There he is right back there. You want to see somebody who God's word has hit? Watch this guy right here. Because here's the thing. Once you get hit one time, you kind of get addicted. You want to be hit again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe everybody be Colin. Colin said, don't you do it again. <laughs> but you watch Stephen. Matter of fact, last Sunday, Stephen Moore went out last week and been telling all of his friends about what God's doing in his life. He had an entire road filled with friends that he brought with him. It's amazing to me. Jamie Baker last week, right over here on this side, because he can't help but enter into dialogue about what God is doing in his life. Jamie Baker, I have an entire section filled up over here sometimes. There's others of y'all. And you see, that's what takes place when God's word is preached. Would you hear me? Grace Church, listen. We don't have to have the finest facilities in Bonifay. We don't have to have the most elaborate equipment in Bonifay or in northwest Florida. We don't have to have a bowling alley. We don't have to have a gymnasium. We don't have to have a church bus. 
We don't have to have a Learjet. We don't have to have anything, but hear me, the old, old word. And if we've got the old, old word, God will create a community. God will create a dynamic that folk will come from miles around to be a part of it. And it's not so that we can have a big group on Sunday morning and say, look at us. But it's so God's word can enter into dialogue. Word of God, speak! And so more people will be sent out into all the regions of Galilee and Bonifay and Carryville and Brazil and Mexico and India and Malaysia all over the world talking about the one person that can make a difference and that's Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. When God's word is preached and there's a dialogue that takes place, that's why we have a response time at the end of our service because what we're saying in our response time is how has God's word struck you? Is it struck you in such a way that there's a decision you need to make today? Is there some outward action that needs to happen? And that's what response time is about. You're not responding to me. You're not responding to Dr. John. You're not responding to Colin. You're responding to what God has struck you with. Sometimes it requires an outward response. If you've never been born again and today God has brought you to faith in Jesus Christ, then that's an outward response you need to make. That's a public response. If you want to unite with our church, there's some steps you need to take. If you want to be a part of this, that requires a response. If there's something you need to get right, you just like to have somebody pray with you, that might require an outward response. But there's a lot of it that's going to take place just because we've entered into dialogue with God through the preaching of His Word this week. And we'll spread out through all this community. And next week there's no telling who will be here because you start to dialogue about the dialogue that you had with God through His Word. Man, it's addictive. Give us some more of that stuff, good God of heaven. Would you stand with us, please? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that all we have to do is really turn it loose and it will do its work in our lives.